0: Drum beats of world war, drum beats of civil war. Are these drum beats of the same war? You're listening to the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Cam is still in the heart of the storm down there in Florida. Keep him and his family and everyone else in Florida in harm's way in your prayers. Hopefully that storm will not be as horrific as they tell us that it is. Just stay safe down there if you guys are in Florida. I've been watching some of this coverage of the hurricane how can you not? It's on every single television station and video that's streaming everywhere. The only thing that's on. And I haven't seen one time where they have not attached it to climate change. Every single time. It's our own fault for this hurricane. The reporter will be standing in the pouring down rain, doing that live shot that they do where they're pretending to brace themselves from the storm. Meanwhile, there's people just walking normally by behind them, showing that they're just trying to dramatize the whole situation and they're fighting the gusty winds and the sideways powerful rain and you know they'll be like yeah a million homes are in danger the power's out the storm surges are devastating coastal businesses and this is why we must all fight climate change and stand in solidarity with ukraine obviously the storm ian hurricane ian said it will not stop pounding the coast until everyone has stood in solidarity with Ukraine. It all links together all of the time. Not to make light of it, the coverage is just so stupid. It's so stupid, it's comical. You can't even write sketches that would be funnier than what these hurricane reporters are doing on the side, or in the, the heart of the storm, I guess. Maybe they're on a green screen. Some of them are down there. And I hope they're safe as well. They just have very stupid reporting. All right, before we dive in, I want to give a quick shout out to a very cool new podcast called The Union of the Unknowns. This is a group of friends who love talking a little bit of trash, who connected on Discord through, and I find this to be very cool the Propaganda Report Discord community. They have also drawn inspiration from the Union of the Unwanted. So they put together a show of their own, and now what you have is a bunch of free-minded thinkers from all walks of life who have come together to talk everyday culture and news and have a lot of fun along the way. I think that you're going to like them. Check them out. You can find them wherever you find your podcast. Okay, we got a little bit to talk about today, some interesting stuff going on in the news. I'm going to tell you about why I believe that the Civil War that people have been talking a lot about in the world war that has started to become a subject of conversation in the news, why I think that they're actually the same war. But before we get to that, I want to start with the biggest story that is not a weather storm, and that is the sabotage of the Nord Stream, a worldwide who done it, an investigation, a detective story we have going on, an international investigation. I guess you've all heard the news, I'm sure, about the suspected sabotage of the Nord Stream pipeline, which some are saying could be a major escalation in the war not between Russia and Ukraine but the war between Russia and the West and the US so the EU has come out and they've agreed with the assessment that the leaks from the pipeline were an act of sabotage in a statement yesterday on behalf of the EU's 27 members the EU's foreign policy chief said the leaks in the Nord Stream 1 and 2 were a result of deliberate of a deliberate act, which I think that everybody has come to that conclusion. Now, that seems to no longer be the question. The question now seems to be who is responsible for this act of sabotage? Now, former CIA director, who has admitted that he voted for the Communist Party presidential candidate back in the 70s, John Brennan, chimed in, as he often does, and said that he believes Russia is the most likely candidate for the person or the country who committed this act of sabotage shocker there he also previously stated that he believed that the hunter biden laptop was russian disinformation not a trustworthy guy in my opinion when it comes to to brennan not to say that it couldn't have been russia it could have been i just don't trust anything that comes out of brennan's mouth they roll him out for propaganda the kremlin spokesperson dmitry peskov he called the accusations against russia quite predictable and also predictably stupid well said, I might say. Russia's FSB intelligence agency is investigating the pipe's damage as an act of international terrorism. You're know, again, kind of dicey here with some of this stuff. The pipeline, it's been at the center of a disagreement between Germany and the U.S., which sees the Nord Stream as a way for Moscow to increase leverage against Europe. Nord Stream Two has geostrategic consequences because it bypasses Ukraine and potentially could deprive it of approximately two billion in transit fees Russia currently pays to send gas through its territory. That's from an article back in January. So some of that's changed because of the war. It's gotten worse, and the U.S. has viewed the pipeline as a geopolitical tool for Russia to undermine energy and national security, increasing Moscow's leverage over Europe, where gas prices there and here have been soaring. Of course, they've gone down some, which Joe Biden celebrates. So who did it? Doesn't matter. Will we ever know for sure? Start with Russia. Could Russia have been the one, could they have conducted a false flag and destroyed their own pipeline? Maybe. False flags happen all the time. They are part of war, even though they tell us false flags are crazy, the stuff of conspiracy theorists, until they say that other countries do it. Russia but we, we can't ever say that anybody else does it. Anyway, why might they do it? Countries since the beginning of time have mobilized their population into fighting wars on the claim of being attacked by an evil aggressor. And they're just defending themselves. They've done this since the beginning of time. Sometimes they were in fact attacked and they were defending themselves. Other times they just needed it to look that way so they could say they were fighting the defensive war and then they just did something a false flag to make it appear as though they were attacked. Or they let attack happened this is all throughout the history books the use of false flags nobody wants to appear to be the aggressor everybody has to convince their people that they are fighting a a war of survival they're defending themselves from being annihilated by someone who is attacking them and they do what they need to do to make it appear that way for perception purposes pr purposes all right that doesn't mean so that so yes maybe they could have done that would that have been the best option i don't know I would have them on my list of people to interrogate, or nations to interrogate. They'd be a little bit lower on the list than some other organizations and groups, but they'd be on there. Poland, maybe, possibly. Ukraine, they definitely would benefit from it being destroyed. They definitely would want it destroyed. You'll hear in some clips I'm going to play later that that's something they would like. So possibly, they'd be on the list of, I keep wanting to say people, but of groups to interrogate, of nations to interrogate. What about the U.S.? Could the U.S. have done it? Possibly. I mean, we did have Joe Biden and Victoria Noonan both making very public statements that make them both look very guilty like they were planning on doing it. I mean, almost saying they were going to do it. However, that is not the evidence of guilt that others talk about it as being. Because as soon as someone walks outside and says, hey, I'm going to beat that person up, then where everybody hears it, then a very sly person might say, oh, now I can go beat that person up, and everybody will think it's the person who publicly stated it. It's like every episode of Matlock, to be honest with you. Every person Matlock has ever defended has claimed publicly that he wants to kill the person who ended up dying, which is the reason why they ended up on trial anyway Till Matlock had to dig in and use things that no lawyer ever uses. You notice in Matlock that the person who committed the crime is always in the courtroom. They always just happen to be sitting, and the murderer is right there, Please come up to the stand. I love Matlock. Back to the story at hand. So it also doesn't mean that Biden couldn't have done it. They could have just been brazen about it. Say, we're going to say we're going to do it, then we're going to do it as like a threat, as an intimidation type thing, showing their power. However, my theory is that it's probably not any one nation. It's probably not Russia. It's probably not the US. It's probably these groups of think tankers, these. Global elitists, elitists, these global cucks that get together and they try and create world policy at all these think tanks and kind of try and operate outside the boundaries of any one nation that are more likely responsible than others. Because even if Joe Biden and Victoria Noonan were to have given the order to do it, Biden doesn't do anything of his own volition. Nothing is his own idea. You hear something said at the Chatham House, at Brookings Institution, at the Council on Foreign Relations one day, and then you hear Joe Biden repeat it verbatim and then try and enact those policies they were discussing the next day. He doesn't operate on his own decision making. So it's going to go a little bit higher, a little bit higher up the ladder. And that's where I would start. I would start with the intelligence agencies. I'd have them on my list of groups and people to interrogate, because obviously. I mean, is there anybody? Definitely the intelligence agencies, CIA, MI5, all of them, the Five Eyes, whatever. Interrogate them all. Get them in a room, separate them. Good cop, bad cop, turn them against each other, interrogate all of them. Also the think tanks of the world, the ones I just mentioned. The Chatham House in particular. The Royal Institute of International... Affairs, One of the oldest think tanks on the planet, the mother of the Council on Foreign Relations, as they would say, and an organization that has adamantly been going after Russia and going after Putin for a long, long time. I've played a lot of the clips about how they talk about getting rid of Putin, about how they laugh about Sir, what's his name, Andrew Wood, who likes to break up countries, and he is the Russia guy. He's the guy trying to target and break up Russia. Sir Andrew Wood, who met John McCain on a tarmac at the Halifax conference and, quote, alerted him to the existence of the Russia dossier. Sir Andrew Wood of the Chatham House, whose protege was Steele, Christopher Steele, who, you know, involved in all the Russian dossier stuff. A lot of this stuff linked back to the Chatham House, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Not to say that they operate alone or by themselves. They work with all these other think tank organizations around the world too. Very World Economic Forum-like groups, Klaus Schwab-like groups who think they're above boundaries of any nation. So, that's where I would start. In fact, if I had to choose who I would interrogate first, it would be this group of people who participated in a, think tank discussion at the Chatham House on August 17th, a little over about a month and a half ago at this point. And this think tank, there's four people. There's two that I'm going to show you some clips of that are, let's see here. Okay. This this organization, this think tank discussion was titled the War on Ukraine, and geopolitics of energy the war on ukraine and the geopolitics of energy and participating in the panel discussion was the advisor to the ukraine minister of energy her name is olina Zirkel, and a guy named edward chow who is the senior associate energy security and climate change who excuse me who is the, who is a senior associate associate of the csis which is another think tank and also an energy security and climate change program head at the CSIS, the global think tank. These are who I'm going to show you some clips of. In the first one, we hear Alina expressing her concern over what she calls Russia's attempt to destroy the unity of the countries that have been unified in their support of Ukraine and how Russia is using energy warfare to do this, to destroy that unity specifically the Nord Stream pipeline. Here is the first clip from her. She's kind of hard to understand, so I will probably stop it to kind of translate to make sure you hear her. I had to listen to it a bunch of times to really get what she was saying.
1: Russia destroyed completely our refinery, and we had to invent new logistic routes, how to supply Ukraine with diesel, with fuel, and with oil products. For us, it was a biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenge in this world. But at the same time, Europe now faces the biggest challenge of interruption of gas supplies. So we are on the same boat.
0: So this was leading in, leading into this was the conversation about what are the implications of Russia cutting off energy resources to countries around the world, the West. And she's given the example of how Ukraine had to figure out another way. And so they understand the position that Europe is in right now. And this is back in August, just to give you that contextual timeline again.
1: And we very much rely on the support of Europe in different respects. And we know that the turmoil of the situation may destroy this unity.
0: Um. Okay, so that unity. She's talking about the unity of the countries, Germany, the U.S., countries in the West, the U.K., everyone who has rallied and they've been standing in solidarity with Ukraine for so long now. This is something they also discussed at the World Economic Forum at Davos. They were worried that the growing economic problems in the U.S., high inflation, housing prices, people, food not being on the shelves, that that would cause people to shocker care more about themselves and their own families and eating and clothing their children, putting a roof over their head than they would Ukraine. And that worried them. They felt that that was not right. The moral thing to do was to put Ukraine over all of those things. And she's expressing this similar sentiment here that these the resources, the energy warfare that she's blaming on Russia will cause those pain, that pain at home, which will cause these countries to crack in their unity and support For Ukraine against Russia,
1: it destroys its unity. And today,
0: I'm going to take it back. So I just want to make sure you guys hear this because I, I think that what she's saying here is pretty eye opening in regards to what's going on right now.
1: Same time, Europe now faces the biggest challenge of interruption of gas supplies. So we are on the same boat, and we very much rely on the support of. Europe in different respects and we know that the turmoil of the situation may destroy this unity and today's decision of Canada to return the turbine to Germany in order to fulfill a kind of desire of Russian Federation
0: okay so she said that Canada's decision to return a turbine To Germany, which will then be given to Russia to fix what was a damaged Nord Stream pipeline at the time. And she did not like that. And she thinks that's a bad thing because if they fix that Nord Stream pipeline, that could give Russia leverage and could cause that unity to fracture. So she seems to be saying that that Nord Stream pipeline needs to be not working or destroyed. And it's bad that Canada was helping them fix it. I'm going to take this back one second. I'm going to make my notes a little bit bigger here so I don't have to stop as many times. And then we'll get back to it. Yeah, I had to watch this clip so many times because I, I couldn't quite understand, make out what she was saying. I had to bump the audio up on it so I could hear her. For those who are watching or who are just listening, this is a Ukrainian woman who, she appears to be pretty to me, but I think she's wearing like a carpet as an outfit. It's a bit of a strange outfit. And her room, her house here is very bleak and dark. Very just nothing on the walls except for one odd picture and like one plant. It's like nobody lived at this place and she had to do this panel discussion and they just had an apartment stage somewhere for her to come do it. Anyway, I will let her continue and I'll take it back a little bit.
1: In different respects. And we know that the turmoil of the situation may destroy this unity. And today's decision of Canada to return the turbine to Germany in order to fulfill a kind of desire of Russian Federation to maintain Nord Stream 1, despite the absence of such a necessity, uh, just provide us with a new argument concerning the Russian policy on ruining of the unity, and we are very much afraid of such a possibility.
0: So, her suggestion is that russia has a policy of intentionally trying to ruin that unity and that they are going to use the Nord stream pipeline to do that to fracture the unity of everyone who has stood in solidarity in support of ukraine so she is not about that she doesn't like that pipeline
1: because definitely uh, russia pursued this policy of different approaches to different countries and we know how much reliance for instance hungary Is on Russian energy resources in oil and in gas. And we do understand that next month will be very crucial because Russia may lose its strongest source of revenues and lose the status of the energy superpower. That should be done, but that can be done only together. And these times, Will be very difficult not only for Ukraine, who faced everyday shellings and destructions, but also for Europe, whose population now will have to go through huge inflation and other economic challenges based on the Russian aggression and Russian energy war.
0: The Russian aggression, the Russian energy war, and what she said there shortly before the end there is. That's the new argument about the Russian policy we talked about, and that she expects in a month from now, from then, and that was August 17th. What's today's date? Today is, I think, the 28th. Okay, today's the 28th, so this was a little over a month ago, and she was anticipating that a month from then, which is around now, that Russia was going to lose... A lot of these, their ability, their status as kind of the leader of the energy sources around the world. I don't know if she's referring to sanctions or what. I don't know if she's anticipating something else happen, but I know that she says it needs to happen. Russia needs to lose that position, that position of power, that position of leverage over the energy resources, and it needs to happen a month from now, and we can do it together, us and Ukraine. Maybe she's talking about sanctions. I don't know. I do know watching this entire panel discussion that she wants far more than sanctions to happen. And so does this other guy you're about to hear from. So this isn't evidence of guilt of anything at all. This is evidence of they would be very happy that what happened yesterday happened. So whether they did it or not, they benefit. It's what they wanted to happen. That's clear by most of the things that she says during this panel. And here is the guy I told you about. This is a interesting, interesting fella here. He's very clear about the way he thinks this war in Russia should be, or war in Ukraine should be fought. This is, again, Edward Chow, the senior associate in energy security and climate change, of the climate change program at CSIS. And... It's, it's interesting these think tanks do so many crossovers. We have the CSIS guy over here with the Chatham House. We have this Ukrainian uh, woman, the advisor over there with the Chatham House. The, they all work in cahoots together so often. Here is, I believe he's this next clip. I'm just going to let this roll through. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful trees on screen, beautiful sunshine, and he should come in about now.
2: In the limited time that I have, let me make five
0: points to inform
2: our debate. And
0: Okay, he was asked again what the impact is of this Russia energy warfare, and he's given his five points about it. And I will stop this a bit because this is a longer clip. To provoke discussion.
2: First, there is no substitute for hard mil- military power in response to Russia's unprovoked, unjustified and brutal war against the very existence of Ukraine. If the objective is to end the war quickly, then a Western imposed no-fly zone from the beginning or freeing Ukraine of Russia's naval
0: blockade even today would do the job. Okay, did you hear what he said there? I'm sure you did. He seems to be calling for military intervention right there. Let's hear that one more time. because this guy hammers this point home and I had to listen to this one a bunch too. Sometimes these guys can be challenging to listen to. At least he has some stuff on the walls and a bookshelf uh, compared to that lady. Here is the beginning of that one more time. Listen to what he calls for here. Here we go.
2: In the limited time that I have, let me make
0: five points
2: to inform our debate and to provoke discussion. First, There is no substitute for hard military power in response to Russia's unprovoked, unjustified and brutal war against the very existence of Ukraine.
0: There is no substitute to hard military power. This is a theme he echoes this entire, it's like an hour and a half panel. He keeps coming back to this the whole time and emphasizing that the sanctions do nothing.
2: If the objective is to end the war quickly, then a Western imposed no-fly zone from the beginning, or freeing Ukraine of Russia's naval blockade even today,
0: would do the job. For reasons beyond the scope of this... discussion, We were told at the beginning of this that doing that no-fly zone that he is suggesting here would have immediately started a war. And that is what he's advocating.
2: Discussion. Western leaders chose would do the job for the existence of Ukraine. If the objective is to end the war quickly, then a Western imposed no-fly zone from the beginning or freeing Ukraine of Russia's naval blockade even today would do the job. For reasons beyond the scope of this discussion, Western leaders chose instead to support I want to hear Ukraine that last part
0: again. I apologize. I don't hear exactly what he said there again, that very last part. Of Ukraine.
2: If the objective is to end the war quickly, then a Western imposed no-fly zone from the beginning, or freeing Ukraine of Russia's naval blockade even today, would do the job. For reasons beyond the scope of this discussion, Western leaders chose instead to support Ukraine by arming it sufficiently to prevent a Russian victory.
0: And he doesn't understand this. He doesn't understand those lackadaisical measures that were taken.
2: Even then, these efforts often seem to be a day late and a dollar short. Economic sanctions take a long time to work, if at all. Oil sanctions are notoriously leaky, as we saw in Iraq and Libya.
0: Leaky like the pipeline.
2: Ultimately, direct Western military intervention led to the fall of Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi. The regimes in Iran and Venezuela are still standing after years of American sanctions. Meanwhile, Ukrainians are dying and their country is being destroyed. Russia
0: is the world's largest exporter of oil and gas. Very clear what he said there. He gives the examples of... Here's when sanctions that the U.S. and the West did, it didn't work here, but then they directly intervened, and it worked, and the places where they have not directly intervened militarily, they've just done the sanctions, it has not worked. Doubling down, tripling down at this point on this idea that the U.S. and the West should directly intervene militarily. Combine that with the woman who is a representative of Ukraine, who clearly thinks the Nord Stream pipeline should not be operating. Would be very happy if it were sabotaged these people want america in this war kinetically combined
2: no sanctions meanwhile ukrainians are dying and their country is being destroyed russia is the world's largest exporter of oil and gas combined no sanctions targeted at reducing russian exports can avoid causing major turmoil in energy markets and a sharp jump in prices. There is simply no ready substitute for Russian volumes in the short or even medium term. To illustrate, Russia exported more than 7.5 million barrels per day of crude oil and petroleum products. President Biden will travel to the Middle East this week even if Persian Gulf producers who have some spare capacity agree to its request to increase production, a generous estimate would have extra 2 million barrels per day flowing. More likely, a small symbolic gesture would be extended to the American president. By focusing on oil and gas sanctions, the West is actually combating Russia on its pre- preferred field of battle where it holds the advantage in the short run, even as it suffers longer-term consequences. What's more, Western leaders have not prepared their own population sufficiently for the impact of sanctions, at least not in the United States.
0: Now, I didn't clip this because he comes back to this later on in the discussion. What he's talking about here is he is saying that We're being led to believe that this war won't really be that long and it could be over soon when in reality, he believes that it's going to go on and on and on and that the impact on the U.S. when it comes to food shortages, when it comes to gas prices and everything, it's going to be far more than we're being led to believe. And he, he could be right about that, could very well be right about that. They then go on to discuss measures that they're taking in Ukraine that he says they he hasn't seen yet in the US where kind of these nudges from the federal government that get people to stop driving. Of course, higher gas prices could do that, but get other ways to incentivize not driving, even potentially mandating uh, limits on how, how much people can drive. We could see that in the future if this continues, at least in the way this guy's describing it. This guy is radical in his views and he is very far left progressive i don't even want to say left he's, he's progressive he's a globalist i'll tell you a bit more about him once this clip finishes but that's what he's referring to there he, he he's saying that we're being misled which of course we are we're always being misled by our media and government
2: what's more western leaders have not prepared their own population sufficiently for the impact of sanctions at least not in the united states Consequently, a protracted war with severe economic consequences risks the fraying of the Western Alliance supporting Ukraine. As James can explain better than me, Russians will accept these odds and are more adept than the West in this fight. For example, by shifting the field of fire from oil to gas. In energy trade, as in war, logistics matter and the transportation of gas is more difficult to change than oil. Russian gas is much harder for Europe to replace, and gas means less to Russian revenue than oil does, as Julian pointed out. Lastly, it's been less than five months since February 24th, when the world, including the energy world, changed, maybe forever. People forget the Arab oil embargo of 1973 and 74 lasted only five months and was directed at a few countries only. We have no idea when and how this war will end, but its consequences are likely to be as great, if not greater than the twin oil shocks of the 1970s.
0: (laughs) I just love how he says that as though people go, oh, wow, the twin oil shocks of the 70s? No way.
2: Energy transitions take a long time to achieve, much longer than politicians promise. Because of the scale of capital investments required, long lead time and implementation. Even assuming that we have the necessary technology. When the Iranian revolution happened five years after the Arab oil embargo, the world was no better prepared to face another energy shock. There are simply no quick fixes energy supply and demand are balanced at a knife's edge if western leaders want to avoid severe consequences they better find severe economic consequences they better find ways of ending this war quickly beyond energy sanctions thank you
0: okay so we know what this guy wants. He wants us to stop pussyfooting around and just destroy Russia militarily already. Just get it over with, knock them out, collect that resource, the energy resource as uh, the spoils of war. And that chick wants the same thing that we heard from. And don't risk fracturing that unity of countries who have been standing in solidarity with Ukraine. Same thing the chick wants because, you know, when you want to fight a world war, you have to make sure all the allies are unified. So don't let this thing drag out and fracture those allies. Screw the sanctions, according to him. And I would say that anybody who shares this perspective, as in like World Economic Forum types, they would also agree with us and they might benefit from this Nord Stream being sabotaged. But others might as well. That's why they will be high up on my list of people to question. I did just notice here in the image that this guy was wearing one of those pin flags on his coat and has two flags on it. One of them is the US flag, the other is, you guessed it, the Ukrainian flag. And he has this weird framed, I don't know if that's some sort of Greek god. I can't tell what that is. Maybe you guys can tell what it is over his right shoulder. And it's gold and it's sitting in a kind of a strange place. So he's a bookshelf over his left shoulder and over his right shoulder, which I think is strategically placed so that it is in frame so that we see it or somebody sees it, a dog whistle, if you will, to somebody. Because it's in a place like walking down a stairs, a banister above walking down a stairs, somewhere where you would never put something like that. I love looking at the background in these think tanks to see what they have up there because they're trying to send a message they do place things there very strategically all right this guy by the way he advised not only the u.s foreign government but he's also advised the u.s government and foreign governments excuse me he's also advised global corporations on their energy policies he's done this for 40 years he formerly worked for chevron he's taught at george washington university he's a member of as i mentioned earlier earlier the Center for Strategic and International Services, I believe, the CSIS think tank. And he currently teaches at Georgetown University's School of Foreign Service. And again, this is at the Chatham House, one of the oldest, most influential think tanks in the world. The mother of the CFR. So this is no... These are the people who, who put words in Biden's mouth. This is one of the organizations that do that. So this is by no means evidence of guilt in regards to what happened but the act of destroying that pipeline is clearly something these panelists favor and they welcome this escalation that comes with it because they want that escalation they want the west to engage in more than just sanctions they want direct military intervention that you can't come away with any other conclusion watching this think tank that they're sick and tired of the do-nothing sanctions. They want to fight, fight. They're not going to fight, obviously. They're going to be sitting up on their perches in the sky. But some are saying the sabotage that happened could escalate things just as they would like. They would love this. So to answer the question as to who benefits, a lot of people benefit. People who share this perspective, as I mentioned a moment ago. Chatham House, Great Reset, Council on Foreign Relations. I hate using the term globalist. the global collective, those who want that would benefit, they would look at this fondly, the destruction of this pipeline, because to truly shape the world in this great reset 2030 agenda, SDD, SGD, whatever it's called, or DG, uh, sustainable development goals of the 2030 agenda, to shape their world in that way, they have to engage the world in a war against those things which stand in the way of bringing that great reset into being. And what stands in their way is not Russia. Russia is just a symbol of what stands in their way right now. It's the evil that they want to create to make others who might stand against them not want to for fear of being classified as an evil Russian type. So... It's not Russia that stands in the way. That's why I don't think it's any one country that might be responsible for this. I think it's more likely some of these elites who see themselves as beyond country. Russia is just this international bad guy and they, who represents that enemy in these drumbeats of war, of world war, that seem to be getting louder and louder. In fact, just this week, we had multiple drumbeats of World War three. Three is that number. You know, one is... Something happens once, it happens once. Something happens twice, maybe a coincidence. Something happens three times, a rule of three, it creates, it establishes that pattern. You see the rule of three in comedy, you see it in film, you see it in politics, you see it everywhere. And just this week, earlier this week, there was a story about the U.S. Navy sending its most advanced surface warship to East Asia. A quote here, it says, The presence of a stealth warship will draw a great deal of Chinese interest. Especially if this ship, it's called Zumwalt, is outfitted with hypersonic weapons, which it apparently soon will be outfitted with those weapons. I was a U.S. Navy captain saying that. Others have called this statement by this U.S. Navy captain more, or this this action that we did moving those ships, they called it more of a political move than a military one because the hypersonic missiles, which are said to be the largest and stealthiest and most technologically advanced in the world, aren't quite ready for deployment yet. Nevertheless, that doesn't matter. This happened, it's in the news, it's a provocation, and they're putting it in front of us, so they're making the public of the U.S. think about it and perhaps of the world think about it. Conflict. We see Russia. We see China getting together. And another story here, the U.S. Coast Guard spotted China and Russia, Chinese and Russian naval ships off of Alaska earlier this week. They were doing a routine patrol, the Coast Guard was, of the Bernie Sea, and they came across a guided missile cruiser from China sailing 86 miles north of Alaska's Kiska Island. And it wasn't alone. They also later discovered two other Chinese naval ships and four Russian naval vessels all in single formation. Now, this didn't violate any laws, but there was a response by the Coast Guard to try and get them to disperse, and they did. Okay, so a lot of questions can be asked about those stories to try and get more context to determine if the news is alarming as it's presented. You know, often it is not, but the point here, like, is it out of the ordinary? Is this truly, do they do this all the time? You know, you guys get it, but like, my point isn't about like that full context. Usually I do want to see that full context, but my point is they're presenting these stories to us. They're putting these stories that are definitely beating the drums of world war into our minds in front of us, maybe in front of us, inter- maybe in front of the international public a- as well. And that's a choice. They put stories in there to push narratives. So there's a definitive narrative coming here. And this is the rule of three here. We have three stories. It creates that pattern there. And while these drum beats of world war, they're getting louder, internationally, so too are the drumbeats of civil war domestically, with the bad guy in this case being represented by the media and, and by progressives as Trump and MAGA Republicans. That is the bad guy here. Russia is the bad guy internationally. This has kind of been the case really since Hillary did that deplorable speech back in 2016. They've just been building it and building it and pounding it into people's unconscious minds like it is Hurricane Ian. And people's minds are the coast of Florida. Anyway, history tells us that it's never a good idea to fight a war internationally when you are divided at home. Because before you can fight, like put up a good fight there, you have to you have to unify things. That's why they have the atrocity propaganda to mobilize everybody at home so you can fight the international war. And the thing here though, to me, is that we have these drum beats. They seem to be separate wars, but the drumbeats of World War and the drumbeats of Civil War, to me, don't sound like drum beats of separate wars. They sound like drum beats of the same war. The World War and the Civil War, I believe, are one and the same. And I think that's where a lot of this is heading, if they had their way. I don't know that they're going to get their way. I don't think they will. But I think that is what their hope is. And I think they've been trying to create this for a long, long time now. These guys do big picture planning, 5, 10, 50 years, Edward Bernays even talked about. 50 years grand scheming propaganda psychological warfare to push an agenda forward. So, why do I feel this way? Let's get back to when Biden published that strategy on countering disinformation or countering domestic terrorism back in January of 2021, I believe, where he kind of identified anybody who questions the mandates, anybody who grows a potato, anybody who's not vaccinated, anybody, anybody who, you know, has doubts that the 2020 election wasn't the most perfect history has ever seen. They are potentially a domestic terrorist. And then we go to the events of January 6th, and anybody who's even there gets gets a knock at their door by the FBI and is under suspicion. And, and there's expanded abilities for them to scrape your social media stuff, granted by this countering disinformation strategy Biden published. And then we move all the way to the, the smear that anybody who questions that election is an election denier and they are branded as an anti-democratic authoritarian embracing violent violence embracing and they're called a threat to our very democracy and well-being and they're asked what do we do about them so what we see here is we see the biden administration we've talked about this and we see the media that props them up describing the domestic threat the exact same way as they describe the foreign threat anti-democratic, fascist, authoritarian, we've heard it all before, Nazi, evil. And if they describe the international and the domestic threat the exact same way, then in their minds, they're not fighting two wars. They're fighting one war and the enemy, which is not described by nationality, but instead is described using these previously mentioned terms, these smears, is not confined to one nation. The enemy in their minds are in every country, all over the world. It's about a mindset, is what it is. They are fighting a mindset. It's not about U.S. versus Russia. Not about U.S. versus China. It's about the global order, the worldwide collective, the Borg, against those who do not bend the knee and kiss the hand to that global order. And anyone who does not have complete disdain for Donald Trump or Putin or Russia or whatever else, doesn't matter because they are seen by them as the same. It does not matter as long as you do not comply. And I heard Bill Gates talking about this the other day. They just want compliance. When you don't comply, you might as well be Russia, Hitler, Trump. It's all the same. Even if you dislike Trump, it doesn't matter. I don't know what's going to happen. I believe the majority of people reject their idea of who this enemy is. In fact, more and more of my Democrat friends have been texting me lately, questioning the Ukraine war and the solidarity with Ukraine, all that mindlessness. It's crazy. I, I didn't pressure them or anything. They just reached out to me on their own because I think the propaganda has gone too far. I think it's insulting. I think they're tired of seeing Volodymyr Zelensky and all this. Really, they treat him like royalty. We've seen people are tired of the royalty stuff, yet they're trying to get us to treat Volodymyr Zelensky like royalty. They're tired of him in his green V-neck shirt. And these are progressives who are vaccinated who disagreed with me a year ago. It's really been surprising and refreshing to me. Actually, I want to have one of them on the show and have them talk about, I don't want to say journey, but their journey out of the the cave, out of Plato's cave, to the light. Come to the light, please. They will scale the propaganda back. At least they should scale it back. Otherwise, they're going to lose almost everybody probably. But I don't believe they're going to succeed with this narrative that we're the enemy, that people who question things are. However, that is what they would love to do if they could, because that is what stands in their way. It's not any nation, it's not Russia, not China. What stands in their way of the Great Reset is free thinkers, freedom, liberty lovers, those who ask questions and question authority around the world. They just attempt to make a symbol of the global bad guy be something like Russia, Putin, or Trump because they want to make people afraid to express their true opinions for fear of being branded with something that's been stigmatized as bad or evil. And and that is how they are trying to get self-censorship going on. That's why they hold up Putin. That's why they hold, that's why anybody, the most far left progressive, Jimmy Dore is now a, a racist Republican Nazi. You know, it's ridiculous. All you do is disagree with them and all of a sudden you are Hitler. That ain't going to work for long. People are too smart and too intelligent for that. And I know some people say, no, there's mindless Yeah, of course there are mindless sheep. Yes, but not most people. Those are the few. Those are the few. That's what I believe. I'm seeing hope. I'm seeing hope with people that are opening their eyes on their own volition, too. Okay. They also want to do this thing, too, where it's like you can't reject the global order and not just love Trump, which is just stupid, because you actually can. You can reject the global agenda, and people need to know this. You can reject the global agenda and also not love Putin. You can reject both Putin and the global agenda. You can dislike Trump and dislike Klaus Schwab. That can be true at the same time. You can question the election. You can be a so-called election denier and also dislike Donald Trump. Both of those things can be true. They would have us believe that it couldn't. We know logically that that can be true, but we just know that they're going to, it's like a high school, man. They're like high school cheerleaders, like ugly high school cheerleaders. If Klaus Schwab were wearing a skirt and holding pom-poms, That's what these people are, just trying to shut people up by insulting them with these names, these labels. What a bunch of pathetic cucks. Jeez Louise. All right, I have one more story, then we're going to get out of here. One more clip, and then one more story. This clip I found funny. You might not, but this woman that was talking earlier, the Ukrainian woman, she's talking about, in one of these things, she's talking about how... They've been telling Europe. They've been trying to tell Europe stuff that Russia's trying to do, but nobody in Europe listens. And then shortly after she says this, the guy moderating it, the European moderating it, his phone goes off, and he's clearly not listening to her. It's pretty funny. Watch it closely. Here it is. Soviet economic. Oh, let me sequence. skip forward here. Uh, here we go. We see a forest.
1: We tried to persuade last year Europe in necessity to pay attention to the Russian policies, how they uh, proceed with the gas and shorten their supplies to Europe. But we have not been hurt. At the same time, in Ukraine, we now have a situation where we face a deep crisis in oil consumption and oil products, especially because we consumed mostly from Belarus and relied on import from the Black Sea. And we lost, in the beginning of the war, all these two sources of supply on oil products. And after Russia destroyed completely, one of our (laughs) biggest refineries. (laughs) I have something with the sound.
0: For those who are just listening, the moderator of this panel discussion, his phone, he, he was playing on his phone and he was talking to somebody and it came through his speaker and, and it switched to his screen so you could see him looking down messing with his phone and then realize that, the, that he was back on screen. And then it cuts back to her and she's kind of smirking because she recognizes that he's not paying attention. Europe is still not hearing the Ukrainians and then it continues. <laughs> it's just... Um, it's funny to look at it hold on there you go
1: one of our <laughs> biggest <decoders. laughs> i said something with the sounds
2: we're hearing you very well
0: okay and, and it cuts back to him and he just he's caught he's guilty he goes, we're hearing you very well and his eyes get shifty and he smirks he doesn't even apologize to her He's clearly not listening. He doesn't apologize to her. And she, look, look, if you're watching, look at the evil eye stare she gives when his phone kind of goes off again. Here in a second. Yeah. You get her eyes. She wants to. She she wants to. She wants to whip his backside. I mean, she is not happy. She's being very disrespected by this guy. I mean, I kind of. It's disrespectful what he was doing there. He wasn't paying attention at all. I thought it was funny. Okay, before we get to our final story of the day, which is going to be about a mature new offer from McDonald's designed for you and me, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the Drive Time News Blast XR, the subscriber-only portion of the show, which is Virgin Atlantic's awful new ad, in my opinion. And I want you to watch this ad in the XR, and I want you to tell me if after seeing this ad it would make you want to fly Virgin. Is it an effective ad? We'll see what you guys think about that. And... We're also going to talk about if you're someone who has ever thought to yourself, man, Amazon is not in my bedroom enough. Well, you're in luck because Amazon is rolling out some new technology to keep watch on you in your bedroom while you sleep at all times. If you want access to that subscriber-only portion of the show, go to patreon.com propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you will get along with the subscriber-only portion of the show is you will get this show, The Drive Time News Blast. Ad free. I take out all the ads for Patreon subscribers and you get a personal RSS feed that has both this and the DMB XR in it. Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report. Subscribe today. All right. Now on to the final story of the day and a perfect illustration of the state of arrested development America is in. McDonald's is now offering or will soon be offering Happy Meals for adults with toys included. Adult Happy Meals with toys. A bit of nostalgia, if you will. Sort of. Strange nostalgia you will see here in a moment. What you get with your adult Happy Meal is you will get one of four collectible figurines. Grimace, the ham burglar. Is that his name? Birdie. I don't know who Birdie is. They're all back. These old toys used to come in Happy Meals. They're all coming back. And they're also now joined by some other new toy called the Cactus Buddy. I'm not quite sure what the cactus buddy is. McDonald's revealed the move in a press release and a series of social media posts teasing the new Adult Happy Meal earlier today, and one of their marketing guys, actually their chief marketing and customer experience officer, said that we're taking one of the most nostalgic McDonald's experiences and literally repackaging it in a new way that's hyper relevant for our adult fans. Keep that in mind. Hyper relevant for our adult fans when you're looking at this toy that i'm going to show you here in a moment and i find it interesting that he says it that way let me get this up here on screen i'm going to share my screen because these toys while yes they do look like grimace and the Hamburglar, and i don't know who who was the other birdie i never i don't remember birdie and i definitely don't know who the f cactus buddy is but there's something a little bit different about these toys because I don't remember them looking the way that they look and the way that they look on screen now. Because the toys that I remember only had two eyes. The new toys for the adult Happy Meals, the ones that are hyper-relevant for adult fans, have four eyes. They have two sets of eyes. And they have them in a way that makes it look like you have double vision. Like you do a double take because it's like, am I drunk right now? Am I, did, I, did somebody slip me drugs, acid, something? I mean, this is a bizarre-looking, creepy-looking toy. I would like for somebody to please explain to me how a four-eyed, freaky toy monster is hyper-relevant to people who are nostalgia nostalgic about McDonald's toys. I, I prefer the two-eyed toys more, myself, personally. I, I was never, as a kid, playing with Grimace going, man, I would really like Grimace more if it had just super trippy, double-eyes, I mean, it looks like you got punched in the face and you're seeing double or triple with these things. It's really effing creepy. And here's also what it says here. All right, is a comment that sums up perfectly what these kind of, discuss- this is on the McDonald's Instagram post. A comment says, talking about one of the toy figures that describes them as looking like 90s childhood on acid. Could not have said it better myself. That's exactly what it looks like. How creepy? Why is this a thing? I'm confused by this. I don't understand it. Maybe we're all seeing double nowadays because we're all so drunk after being locked up for two years during the pandemic when drinking skyrocketed. All right. So they also have a special box that will be available. And this is going to be launched in central New York McDonald's restaurants in the drive-thru by delivery. You can get it by delivery. You can have this creepy effing toy. Who wants this toy, man? This toy is going to make people think that there's something wrong with them. You're going to go, hey, Doc, I came to the doc because I've been seeing double. And he's going to go, well, your vision seems fine. You didn't happen to get an adult Happy Meal at McDonald's, did you? That's not your vision. All right, this is going to start on October 30th if you want to creep yourself out. Or, you know, maybe get, you know, what I would do is I would go get these adult Happy Meals and then I would just go start leaving these toys on random people's like porches and in their mailboxes and just to make them say, why is this thing here? Who did this? Because it would really rack their minds and they would never figure it out because there would be no rhyme or reason to who got a toy left on their porch. It'd just be complete madness. Like the Joker, you know, chaos. All right, I think that's a good place to wrap up the show. Thank you guys for listening. You guys can find your DriveTime News Blast, a propaganda report on whatever podcast app you get your podcast on. We're on all of them. You can also find us at the new website URL. I will be trying out a few, but the one I'm using right now is propagandafight.com. And we will talk to you guys next time. You want to get that exclusive content that we're about to go into, the DMBXR, go to patreon.com propagandareport. Subscribe today. We'll talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Stay safe, guys.